0: Praise God. i just let you get your notes there. just want to show a quick, very quick video. It's only 50 seconds long, but it will be the basis of what I want to talk about this week and maybe for several weeks to come. Uh, Can I have it nice and loud if you could? What does this mean for the U.S. in its showdown with Iran? Israel's prime minister taking to the American airwaves over the weekend, warning that he believes Iran may be just months away from the ability to produce an atomic bomb. That's far shorter than most previous estimates. Iran continuing to claim it's only building nuclear power for peaceful purposes, of course. But still, the prime minister again calling on the U.S. to draw a red line for Tehran. Iran has been placed with some clear red lines on a few matters, and they've avoided crossing them. So I think that as they get closer and closer and closer to the uh, achievement of uh, weapons-grade material, they're very close, they're six months away from being about 90% of having the enriched uranium for an atom bomb. I think that you have to place that red line before them now, uh, before it's it's too late. He said something that I've been hearing all my life and something that has been a threat to Israel since they were formed, and that's their annihilation. Listen to me, folks, please. Since Israel, you know, came into existence, the devil has wanted to wipe them from the face of the earth. That's what Saddam Hussein said. That's what Hitler said. That's what Ahmadinejad, the president of Iran, is currently saying. His dream, his vision is to wipe every Jew Off the face of this earth, okay? Now, in Jesus' name, Father, I pray you will open the ears of these people, all those in this room and all those who hear us online. There's a difference. There's a difference. Could I have the map, Stefan, please? There's a big difference with what has happened over the last few months or years, okay? Since I grew up, Israel has had a big daddy. Who is it? The USA. Israel has had a superpower behind it. So no one really dared do too much on Israel, or it is true that America would have had to intervene. Something's changed in the last sort of 18 months, two years. In North Africa, we have seen a complete transition to Muslim power, the Brotherhood of Islam. And now we find that these nations that kept their hands off Israel have now changed their attitude. And you will, if you follow, I follow this very closely, if you listen to the language that is being used, if you listen to the way they speak about America or react to America, you will see big changes. Now, really, America has become a bit of a laughing stock with regards to any threat or deterrent that they may be from bombing Israel. Now, it is my opinion that as soon as Ahmadinejad can get his bomb together, he would love to unleash that. Remember the mindset of Islam, uh, uh, extreme um, brotherhood, these guys, they, they want to, to, death is not a problem. Death is not a problem. And, and I believe he will release that. That's what the prime minister of Israel just said, okay? I just want you to understand one thing everything's changed whilst you have been busy about your life and your qualifications and whatever else you're doing everything's changed and it is continuing to change at a rapid alarming pace whilst the tell you the scripture is true as jesus returning everybody's busy getting on about their own lives not heeding prophecy not heeding scripture everything is changing at enormous paces Okay? So I want to begin for a few weeks to look at something we have not looked at in any detail before in this church, and that's Israel. The history of Israel, past, present, and future. You don't need to, I'm going to give you, re- read a lot of scriptures today. My advice to you is don't, don't turn to them. I've given you notes which have every scripture written on it. You can turn to them when you get home, because otherwise you're going to spend your whole time trying to find them. The first scripture I want to read is this. Just listen to me. This isn't to Peter. This is Peter talking. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Peter says this. He's talking about the end times. A dark place. Peter says the end times are going to be a dark place. Now darkness in scripture refers to revelation. It's not to do with the light. It, it, It refers to people not being aware of the day or the time in which they live. They're in darkness. They can't see. Don't see what's happening. Not with it. And in the last days, it says that the world will be like a dark place. And Peter says this, I give you this warning and you will do well to listen. Heed the word. He says, you have a light. You have a light. It's called your Bible. Not so much the news. The news is good because it keeps us up to date. I'll come to that in a moment. But you have this prophetic word, which they don't have. And you don't need to be in the dark because if you study it, it will tell you what's happening. And you can keep your finger on the pulse like Paul also tells us to do. So I've been just thinking this week, how on earth, how do you start To look at Israel, how do we start to look at the whole concept of it, past, present, and future? And I thought the best place for us to start, listen, is 1900, the the beginning of the 20th century. Bring your mind there, think about it. 1900 Glasgow, 1900 Malaysia, 1900 Africa, whatever. Around the globe, it was actually uh, comparatively a very positive time certainly for the western world it was an extremely positive time the benefits of the industrial revolution had fully kicked in there was relative peace in comparative to other decades generations 1900 was an exceptional time really for two things hope and confidence in both places in the church and in the world. The church at that time, remember, this was the just after and just before the two greatest revivals of the recent centuries, right? So the church had seen huge harvests coming in. We lived in Wales for a long time, 12 years, and you can see all the churches that were built in 0405 revival, 1904-05 revival there, many churches through the valleys where God moved. It was an exciting time to be a Christian. It was a time of enormous hope, and people were looking forward. So was the world. America was kicking off, you know, in, the right, in a good sense. It was becoming well and truly established, becoming the superpower that it went on to become. In fact, if you look at the Christian hymns, this is Jeanette's mother's hymn book, and many of these go back to the 1850s, 1870s, 1880s. I tell you, listen, you <laughs> read the words of these songs that were written by the Christians who lived in this era. It's all rumpity pom pom pom. we are off! It's all gonna be great! We're gonna take over the whole world! 1900. What happened? What happened? First World War. All of a sudden, there was a mighty punch in the world, and the whole world shook. It was the first, it's called the first world war because it was the first global war affected the whole world and then the second world war but out of that terrible time what was born israel israel was born 1948 the unthinkable came out of the worst time the world had ever seen the unthinkable came and that israel the jews because of what had happened the united nations for whatever reasons we'll look at in a moment decided to to, to take that land back and to put Israel back where they belong in the land of Israel, which God promised them. Okay. Now, these are shocking days. You don't have to turn to it. I'll read this to you. In terms of Israel, one of the first things I want me to understand and you to understand, from God's perspective, Israel is the root of everything. Israel is at the root of all that he's doing and all that he will do. Now, you can like it or lump it. It's a fact. In Genesis chapter, two, uh, G- Genesis chapter 22, God says this to Abraham. Listen, Abraham is claimed as the father of all three big faiths on earth. Islam claim him, the Jews claim him, and Christianity claims him. But listen to what God said to Abraham. The angel of the lord called to abraham from heaven a second time and said i swear by myself declares the lord that because you have done this and you have not withheld your son your only son i will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations all Nations on the earth will be blessed. Let me also read to you from Isaiah 49, when God is speaking about Jesus. God the Father, speaking into history about Jesus, it would be too small a thing for my servant just to restore the tribes of Jacob and to bring back Israel. I will also make you a light to the Gentiles. So I want you to see something, folks. Before this earth was was made, God had a vision through Abraham, through the Jews, to get you saved. Okay? This is the route he has chosen. This is prophecy. This was God's intention. These things we don't fully understand. That's why it's a a mystery. Actually, point two on your notes there. I think it is critical that we understand what 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 I'll, I'll term the mystery of Israel. In Romans chapter 11 and verse 25, let me read this to you. Paul calls Israel exactly that. I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, Israel. Paul says, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel, that's the mystery. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. Now, let let me pause for a moment and, and, and say this. I don't think it's possible for us to understand Israel. There's a lot of confusion with Christians and Israel. A lot of Christians getting ripped off in terms of their eternal reward because they're not doing what they should do in praying for Israel, not doing what they should do in supporting Israel and thus losing their eternal reward. Do you hear me? And Paul says, my advice to you is don't be ignorant on this one. Make sure that you understand what he calls the mystery of Israel. The word mystery in Greek has no comparative word in English. And so when we say mystery, you think of Agatha Christie, right? Something that is, you don't know, something that you have not understood. That's not what the Greek word means. The Greek word for mystery means something that is progressively revealed, right? This is critical for understanding Israel. Something that is progressively revealed over time. Israel, in terms of your understanding of the, my understanding, is something that is going to be revealed over time. I wrote this book about 10 years ago, believe it or not. We just actually got it down in black and white two or three years ago. But in 1999, I finished most of these messages here in Ireland. Um, listen, 1999. In all that time, I haven't had to change one word in here. Not a word. Every word stands. Have you any idea the number of people write stuff about end times? Oh, uh, let, let me just change that. Let me just take that away. Because everything in here is based upon here. Amen? And as long as you stick within the confines of scripture, you will find that no matter what people may say when you make your statements, no matter what they might say then, in years to come, you will still be standing strong because you stood on the word. Not on supposition, hypothesis, or conjecture, but on the word of God that you took your time to look at, like Paul says, don't be ignorant of it. You took time to study Israel and you understood it. Therefore, your statements stand. A classic example of mysteries being revealed over time is with the rapture. Now, the rapture, just in case anybody doesn't understand, the rapture is the removal of the church from the earth. When Christ comes back, he will be in the air and the the church will rise up to meet him. Different from the second coming. Two different things. Rapture is the removal of the church. The second coming is when Christ comes back with his church. Okay? Most of you will have heard the arguments about the rapture, right? Pre mid and post. Have you heard that? Right? That there's seven years of tribulation. It's prophesied. It will happen. Seven years of tribulation will come upon the earth. The worst trouble the earth has ever seen. Some people interpret scripture this way. They say that God will pull the church out of the earth pre, before this happens. Other people interpret scripture and say it's in the middle, three and a half years as prophesied in Daniel. Other people say, no, no, it will be post. It will be at the end. Now, you will, if you read the, this one on End Times, what did I say? Nothing. Didn't say anything. And f- for years, people have badgered me and say, well, what's your position? I said, I don't know. Well, what do you mean you don't know? I thought you were like someone who studies End Times. I am. But I don't need to disown one scripture to support another one. That's childish behavior until I can hold my whole Bible, I'm not going to state an opinion. So why on earth are you taking an opinion? I can argue for pre, I can argue for mid, I can argue for post, therefore I'll argue for none. Because I'm not going to deny one scripture to lift up another. What, what are you playing at? That's bad, what we call exegesis, bad use of scripture, bad interpretation. So I refused to have a stance on this because in my opinion, it's something that, it, it's a mystery. The rapture is something that we have not yet it has not yet been revealed to us fully and properly. And the day that it's revealed properly, I will be able to hold my whole Bible, amen, and not have to deny anything. Well, thank God for Perry Stone. You know, he's what's called a typologist, somebody who studies types in Scripture, particularly in the Old Testament. And about two or three years ago, he's studying the Old Testament types, and suddenly, boom! Mystery is revealed, in in my opinion. The light comes on. I can see the rapture. And because he was a typologist, he saw that the three harvests of the Old Testament, three different harvests the Jews were commanded to bring to God. The first was barley, the second was wheat, and the third was grapes. Listen carefully. Barley is plucked. There's no pain. Pre. Pre. The wheat is threshed mate, and the grapes are crushed. (coughs) Antichrist. And he suddenly saw, ah, it was a picture. God gave us a picture to explain the rapture. There would actually be three phases of those taken away. Blessed is he who rises in the first. That's what Jesus said. Blessed is he who rises in the first resurrection because you don't have to go through the sufferings of the tribulation. Do you follow me? So therefore, that mystery, it's a great example That mystery is something that has been progressively revealed over time. The vision awaits an appointed time. So don't jump, you know, presumptively upon ideas or doctrines or theologies. You shouldn't do that. It's immature. We need to wait until the day of revelation comes. Okay? Wait, as Peter put it in our opening reading from 2 Peter, wait until the morning star arises. Wait until the light comes into the dark world and the revelation of Scripture is made plain. Hang on a minute, everybody. Okay? And God will make known what he needs to make known at the right moment in history. Point three on your notes. I, 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 I would advise you against looking back for the teachers of history on this point. Now, I have not a great library at home. I don't need a great library. I have a reasonable amount of books, both old books and new books. But you've got to understand something. Everybody look up. Here. Here's a book on the end times. It was written in 1944. When was Israel formed? 1948. Ah. So here's a a pastor here. He's written a book is this of any use to me? See, some people pride themselves in, oh, I read, you know, the early church fathers and this, that, and the other. You need to understand about Revelation being progressive. Because if I read this guy, the trouble is he's limited to a large degree by the world he lives in. There's no Israel. They're not in, they they haven't been restored to their land. And so you've got this author here, and he's a good man, seeking God, and he's reading Romans. And Romans says, all Israel will be saved. He's looking, all right. And Romans talks about the Jews being in the church. In here. And Romans is full and he's reading Romans. Ah, any Jews here? No Jews here. Any Jews in your church? No Jews there. All right. Israel? 1944. There is no Israel. Wonder who Israel? It must be me. (laughs) It must be us. We're Israel. That's what it is. It's called replacement theology. And so you see the old expositors, they were subjective. They looked at the world and and they saw certain things and then they looked at their scripture. You've got to be careful doing that. And then they sort of leave Israel out because there was no Israel. Okay. That's a big problem because it doesn't, it doesn't prepare the church of this day. It doesn't prepare you or me to actually do our job in the last days. Now take a look at this. Here you have 1944. Here you've got a recent book. How different. How different. It's a very good book in the millennium, that. No, you can't borrow it, because you're going give me my books back. All right. <laughs> Here you have a book written in 1944. Not a lot of use, you know, no harm. There's some good things, uh, but very useful, very useful because Israel's back in the land. The modern authors, they see the, light, the morning star has risen. They can look at Scripture and understand it and interpret it correctly. So, in my opinion, old is good for certain things, right? That's what it says in Scripture. The wise man brings from his treasure store treasures young and old, new and old. And you need to understand that the, the, the older commentators were limited because the revelation in those days was limited, and the modern commentators are better when it comes to end times. Not talking about doctrines, generally. I'm talking about eschatology, end times things. Okay, it's a sticking point. So in history past, the 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 the, the, the scholars did one of two things when they came to the book of Romans, which is the central place for you to study your responsibilities regarding Israel in the last days, when they came to the book of Romans, they did one of two things. It's 9, 10, 11, chapters 9, 10, and 11. When they got there and Paul started talking about Israel, do you know what they did? Skip forward to chapter 12. Skip it. Skip it. Don't commentate on it. Or, like many did, they said, ah, Israel is now us. And my first point to you this morning really is this. Everybody listen. I want you to read the book of Romans. Read over the next few weeks. Listen to me. You see in the book of Romans when Paul says Israel, do you know who he's talking about? Israel. He's talking about Israel. And if you just accept that one simple point, you will find that the book of Romans will open up for you. Their creation, the creation of that, or the reinstatement of that nation has been the greatest blessing on the earth. You know there was no megachurches prior to 1948. Prior to 1948. But when Israel got their land back, it became a blessing also to the Gentiles, as Paul said it would be. Now, when you read 9, 10, and 11, Romans 9, 10, and 11, you will see there that Paul is teaching the Christians how to handle Jews and he's teaching the Jews how to handle Christians. Now, Paul's world was like that. The Jews were in the church, okay? Then you've got A.D. 70. You've got the destruction of the temple, the diaspora. The Jews are scattered all over the world. Skip forward 2,000 years. Guess what? Here we are again. More Jews being saved today than ever in all history. Messianic Jews, they call them. They've had Many titles, n- people don't know what to call them. But modernly, they go under the title Messianic Jews. And we now have a huge revival amongst the Jewish community. When you read the scriptures, you see the w- one thing you've got to realize, everything is only ever focused on Israel. Imagine, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a pro-American guy. I like America. God bless America. I mean that with all my heart. I like America. I believe they've been a great force in this century. I don't know where we would be without them. Okay? Not mentioned. No mention. Isn't that amazing? No mention. Why? Geography. It's too far away. God's focus is on Israel. In the whole book. His focus is on that land, Israel. And he will have what he set out to have. And it's just geographical. Because they've done, I, 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 you know, not not in recent times. They're, they're losing their grip on their role in the world, and that will cost them everything. I'll come to that in a moment. But because of geography, you will hear the nations around Israel mentioned constantly, correct? But even in prophecy, it, it, it's difficult. People have s- tried to do it, but I think it's, it's stretching it a bit to find Israel in there. Now, why should we do this? Why should we study this? I'll tell you why because everything awaits an appointed time. And I've done end times, as I say, not just this, but other stuff for many years. And I never felt God prompt me to say, go with Israel, study Israel. Because I firmly believe there's a day for everything. But when Yetanyahu spoke and I saw him speak there and he said, what did he say? How many months? Six months. Israel will have, uh, Iran will have sufficient weaponology, technology to to shoot that bomb at Israel. And something just came alive inside me to go back at this because the day has come. The day has come. We're not actually waiting anymore. Anti-Semitism, anti-Jewishness, anti-Semitism is alive and kicking in Europe. And we find it in the most unusual of places. And I want to begin this study, which will take several weeks, but begin it by asking us this Why should I support Israel? Why should I appreciate Israel? What have they done? I mean, didn't they kill Jesus? Well, actually, if you want to get technical about it, uh, Israel, no, they didn't kill Jesus. There were 10 tribes in the north in the kingdom of Israel, the land was split at this time. Uh, that, that was the kingdom of Israel. There were two tribes in the south, Judah, where Jew comes from, the name Jew, Judah and Benjamin. Who killed Jesus? Judah, Jews, the tribe of Judah. So actually, it's not technically correct to say the kingdom of Israel, the nation of Israel, okay, but not the kingdom of Israel, because the kingdom was split at that time. And, 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 and people go off on a huff or a tangent, thinking that all Israel did this or that. Well, they didn't. It was a specific tribe in a specific location at a specific time, okay? Now, there's a lot of anti-Semitism around, particularly within Europe. It's bad in the Middle East, of course. We know that. It's on your TV every day, but it's also bad within Europe. And there's secret agents even among us, you know, people who bear hatred and stay. You've got to be so careful. Okay. Jesus. We were over in the other building. Now, don't get all holy on me, right? Don't become a holy Jew on me right now because I'm going to use a swear word, all right? You can cope. We were over in the other building and I was preaching about Israel and I finished the message. Fine. Everybody leaves. And there was a member Come every week and worship God, hallelujah. Standing on the side and I thought, Pastor Mike, can I speak to you? I said, yeah, no problem. Come over and said, I've got something to say to you. What? And he said, you know the Jews? You know what they are? Bunch of bastards, that's what they are. That's what he said to me. That's what he said to me. I said to him, shut your mouth, shut your mouth. You, do, you don't know what spirit you're getting into. You don't know what you're dealing with. You don't know where you're going, brother. He walked out. He never came back. Well, he has come back. He's been in and out. Not recently. Scary stuff, you see. Who put that thought in your mind? Do you know that Jesus is a Jew? Do you know they're written, when you get to heaven and you walk into heaven, you know one of the things that are written on the stones? Lion of Judah. It's for all eternity. Lion of Judah. Judah it means Jew. Lion of Judah. So I don't know what history has done to you. I don't know what perspective you've taken on the Jews, but you've got one massive problem, pal. I got in a taxi in my first time in Vienna. Vienna, Austria played a massive part in the Second World War. You know that. Most of Hitler's henchmen were Austrian. No problem with Austrians, they're very nice today. <laughs> I got in a taxi at the airport. <laughs> And wait, taxi driver just taking me to my hotel. I got in there. He was having a bad day. You know, he's gripping the steering wheel. Bloody Jews! He's driving. I thought, oh God, Jews, they run the city here. They own everything. We can't make any money in this city because of the Jews. I thought, oh Lord. Is there any other taxis around here? I, said, well, I was actually quite interested in that guy. So I, I wanted information. I wanted to hear. So I said, well, what, what's the problem with the Jews? They bought Vienna. They own the city. They own everything. I just wanted to get educated. Where do you get your anger from? What's at the root of this? Anti-Semitism. I'm very happy that we have a Pakistani congregation and Russians. Wouldn't it be great if we had a Messianic congregation? Wouldn't that be fantastic? Just somewhere that the Jews in Glasgow, when they came to the Lord, felt happy and safe and accepted about going. I think that would be fantastic if around the city, if in some way we could broadcast the fact that we welcome Jews. Amen? (laughs) And and, and stand with them at this moment in time when they most need it. So my question to you, why should I support Israel, appreciate Israel, right? Why should I stand by them in these days? Well, firstly, because they're different. And, And because some of you are black, some of you are Chinese, you know what it's like to be different in another land, right? I do, because I travel all the time. And many times I am in a nation where I am the only white guy there, right? All the time. And I, I know exactly what it feels like constantly, what that feels like to be different. Unfortunately, humanity has a nasty habit of making fun of, ridiculing, persecuting difference. Any difference if you walk with a limp, ha ha ha. If you've got a lisp or a speech impediment like I had, ha ha ha. ha. Difference is ridiculed. And one of the reasons I feel so sorry for the Jews is because Jesus chose to come to that race, that nation, and that's a great honor, but it's an awesome thing. Phew, what if Jesus had come as a Scot? What if he came as a Malaysian? What if he came as Irish? No, he wouldn't come as Irish. That's not What if he came as a Singaporean? We'd all be safe then, right? What? How would it be? Scots, answer me this. Would you say hallelujah if Jesus came as a Scot? Don't know what to say, do you? Uh, What about Malaysia? If Jesus came as a Malaysian? Would you say Hallelujah. You know, when Mary was pregnant, when Mary was going to become pregnant, Angel Gabriel stood over, listen carefully, and said this, all generations are going to call you blessed. But that's not all. What, what, what was the next line? And a sword will pierce your heart. It's a great thing that's going to happen you, Mary, but a sword will pierce your heart. And that's what it was like for the Jews. It was, it was the greatest honor of all history that Jesus Christ should choose a people type. He chose them, by the way, because of their education system. Um, but Jesus chose a particular people type to enter. And that was an honor, but it was also an enormous persecution because for all time they became different. They became the people through whom Christ came. And that put the target of the devil and every demon in hell on Israel which is still there to this day. And so to this day, I need to be grateful for the suffering that they have had, that they have gone through and indeed still go through. Another reason I think we should support Israel in every way we can is this. I know as as a leader that when I give responsibility to someone, I will also give that person more grace than anybody else around here. Okay? Okay because I've given them responsibility. When you give responsibility, you can't just walk away and say, well, any any, any problems happen, that's your problem, pal, that's bad fathering, amen. Well, God's not a bad father. And when you put responsibility on people, you need to be incredibly patient. Was God patient with the Jews? You need to labor with them through thick and thin, you need to stick with them through the ups and downs, you need to support them all the way through to the point of immorality. And that's what happened with Jesus Christ. He came, he supported them all the way through until the point where it had gone too far and he couldn't remain righteous. He had to step back. But I need, I need to support the Jews because of the, the great responsibility that they have taken in history. In fact, turning your Bibles to Romans, look, just take a look at this one in case you think I'm making it up. Romans chapter 11, verse 12. Romans chapter 11, verse 12 talks about the Jews and it says, but if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their fullness and their inclusion bring? If, sorry, just look up at me. Listen, you need to hear it more than read it. Listen, Jesus is saying, listen, if the Jews being cut off brought the gospel to you, the Gentiles, how much more of the gospel is going to get out in the world when they get saved that's what that scripture says in the last days there will be a revival in israel and in the jewish community around the world and if their initial being cut off if that brought about the mega churches and everything else that we see right look at what, what will happen in the end times so this is good news for me but i guess people can't see it I was a Catholic, as you know, for 26 years. I got saved in the Catholic Church. And in Vatican II, I believe they have a new doctrine that has been put forward. I don't think it's been what they call promulgated. It hasn't come into dogma yet. But the doctrine is this, that Mary is a co-redeemer, co-redemptress with Christ. And the paper suggests this, that Mary was bodily exhumed from the grave, just like Jesus was, Yeah, right? And that proves that she was sinless, because that's why his Holy One didn't see decay. They're making a comparison. Mary was bodily exhumed, and and, and that means that she's co redemptress Bad theology, right? There's only one Redeemer, right? Only one Savior, Jesus Christ, not Mary. Mary's blessed, but she's not a co-redeemer. And I want to make something clear with regards to Israel. I don't worship Mary. Do you? I respect Mary. I respect her. She's blessed. As scripture says. But I don't worship Mary. I don't worship Israel. It's wrong to worship Israel and some people go too far with these things or they get the wrong end of the stick. Israel is not my redeemer. Okay. But Mary suffered to bring Christ into the world, didn't she? A sword will pierce your heart. And so I respect her and I would support her. It's the same with the Jews. They they're not my savior but they have certainly suffered. My salvation was solely bought by Jesus Christ, but the spread of the gospel bought by the suffering of Jesus Christ. But the spread of the gospel was largely through the suffering of the Jews, which is Paul's point in Romans. Don't you know that they were cut off and that brought light to you? See this map. As I said it at the beginning, for years Israel has been protected by America. But America has now collapsed, really, in my opinion. They have lost their way completely. They have been terrible with Israel in the recent past. I don't like Obama, you know. I never did. I remember the day that he got elected. That week, I was preaching with the Pakistanis, and I walked in, and they were all jumping. He got elected! And I tell you, I'm glad I was preaching that day, because I changed their minds. He said, so you've got the wrong guy, friend, wrong guy. Listen, when the prime minister of Israel, when any prime minister goes to the White House, they get the troops out and they stand with their things and they put the flags out, and in comes the president of some country, right? And the president of the United States comes out to meet them. When the prime minister of Israel went to the White House, do you know what Obama said? Send him to the back door on his own. And then he put him in a room. And he said, let him wait. He left him for two hours. You see? Sorry. If I don't, call it anti-Semitism. You can call it what you want. Don't treat anybody else like that. What's wrong with the Jews, huh? What's wrong with the Jews? So I got no respect for Obama at all. However, he may well get back in because it could be God's will. He, he, he's withdrawing the support that he needs to give. He is not standing where he should stand, right? And it remains to be seen. It could be God's will to put him back in. We'll see in a couple of weeks' time. Um, because God raises up people to put pressure on Israel so they get saved. That's what's happened in all history. Read your Old Testament. It happened over and over and over again. So even though you may not like it, these things actually bring about some good, not just for Israel, but also in the prophetic plan of God. The United Nations is another thing. United Nations have had a statute on their books since they were formed, and the statute says this, that it is our goal to make, to have one, what they call an international city on the earth. We want to choose a city, and we want to set it apart, and it will not be owned by any one country. It will be owned by the whole world. (laughs) Guess which city that is. Jerusalem. So it's already written down. We have, it is the intention, all nations will turn on Israel. That's what the Bible says in the last days. They already have it written in their mandate. It is our goal to take the city of Jerusalem, the holy city, and to make it international property. It will not belong to the Jews. And God gave it to the Jews, you see ironically no matter who occupies the land of israel in scripture it's always called the the he called it the land i gave you to possess the land i gave you to possess the land i gave you to possess no matter who's in it no matter who's in it read the old testament many many times it didn't they were dispossessed but god never called it by whatever nation was occupying it in god's eyes nothing has changed on this romans 11 11. Let me just read this. This is talking about the Jews in a general sense. Again, Paul says, again, I ask, did they, the Jews, stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? What's the answer? No. Now, please, again, just everybody look up. Here's a question. It's very clear. Have the Jews been abandoned by God? Have the Jews been cut off so that they will never be restored? He says it here. He says it again, just a few verses further on. The Jews have not been cut off. They have not, it, it's a temporary thing. In fact, he goes on to tell us why. Who is it? What's her name? Kate Middleton. You follow the royal family in this country. We've just had a big royal wedding, right? And this girl called Kate Middleton said when she was a little kid that she was going to marry Prince William. That's so what she said, and she had his picture on her wall, and she said the power of words, I tell you, I'm going to marry him. And all the people in her school laughed, but they remembered. She said, I'm going to marry him. And what happened is that her mother got involved, very clever, actually. They organized their lives around everything to get to that goal. Everything was to get to that goal. Schools, colleges, these are commoners. These are ordinary people. No connection with royalty very good, very tenacious. But what happened was they went out together for three years and then he split up. He broke it up with her and they went their separate ways. Now, what did she do? Does anybody know what? With with his best friend. She went out with his best friend, right? Why did she do that? To make him jealous did it work? Work worked like a treat. (laughs) No problem. Really good. These are very old principles. Jealousy is a good thing, you see. Jealousy is a godly attribute. God is a jealous God. Jealousy is a holy and good thing. What's, What's evil is envy. Envy is when I want what someone else owns. That's wrong. That's a sin. But jealousy is when I want something that belongs to me. Do you understand? It's a big difference. Israel belonged to God. And Israel betrayed God. They went, they were unfaithful. They worshiped other gods. And then what did God do? (laughs) He turned to you. He turned to you, and that's how you got saved. So Paul says, don't you know, Gentile?" That God saved the Gentiles in order to make Israel jealous? Don't you know that he wanted to have the same effect and turn them back? Wow. So we could be here a very long time to, 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 to grow our appreciation for Israel. Because if that had not happened, we would have been like many of these other nations who, you know, blind, deaf, dumb, and don't get any favor in their lives at all but you are of those that salvation has reached. How good is that? How precious is that? And because of them. In Romans 11.25, it says this, their blindness is temporary until, what is it, until what? Until the full number of the Gentiles comes in. Until all the Gentiles that are going to be saved in all these nations have come in, the blindness will remain upon the Jewish people. And so, I mean, the veil is lifting, folks. Please, in Jesus' name, look at me. Listen to me. Do you understand what's being said? I can see by some of your faces you don't. So listen in Jesus' name, not with your head, with your spirit. More Jews being saved than ever that tells me the veil is lifting. What does that mean? The end. The end. The veil will remain until the fullness of the Gentiles have come in all over the world, and then I will remove the veil, and you will see the Jews flooding in to Christianity. Hallelujah. And so it's just another confirmation that these are categorically absolutely the end times. Now, it raises a very obvious question. How, what do we do? What should we as a congregation do? I'm not going to deal with that this week. We'll deal with that in one week when we look at this series. What do we do? How do we pray for Israel? Because Scripture has a lot to say about praying for Israel. Oh, Jesus. Remember what I said about the rapture? The rapture being very misunderstood and misinterpreted, misquoted. All Christians know the story. All Christians know the text where Jesus is sitting on the throne in judgment, and the, the people come up before him. Remember what he says: "Come, you, you who gave me water when I was thirsty, you who visited me when I was I was in prison. Come." You know the scripture, right? One of the most misinterpreted scriptures in the whole of the Bible. You know, completely misunderstood that scripture. Who are those people? Who is he saying, come, thank you, you, you who helped? Who are those people he's talking to? This is not the second coming, remember? We've already been raptured. One, two, three, no matter which stance you take, right? Or if you believe all, you're, you're still not in that number. You see? So here you are, you come back with Jesus, and it says, when Jesus Christ returns, you can imagine him, when Jesus Christ returns... He comes back to earth, and it says he will have all his angels with him behind. That's you. Peter, uh, Paul says, when we return, we will be as the angels. It's a specific Greek word there. This is us returning with Christ. And we've had the millennium, a thousand years on earth, of trouble and persecution for Christians and Jews. Listen, folks. Jesus turns and speaks to the crowd. What does he say? You who helped me. Who visited me when I was persecuted remember Paul when Paul was persecuting the Christian uh, the the Jews when Jesus came to him what is it Paul Paul why do you persecute me me and during the Millennium you see Matthew 24 is actually a prophecy about the judgment at the end of the Millennium of the people on the earth and one of the first things Jesus says who stood by my side And friends, yes, it's Christians, but believe me, it's Jews. It's the Jews. And I believe one day I will face Jesus on this point. What did I do? What did I do to help Israel in what is now becoming their darkest hour? I know the Holocaust was bad, but that wasn't all nations. That wasn't all nations. You are just about to witness the United Nations, all nations, turn and focus on Israel to destroy them, to surround them. And I, I'll answer this question in weeks to come, but what should we do in light of that? Number one, we need to pray. We need to pray against anti-Semitism. There are certain things that will happen. They will happen. We can't stop them. There are prophecy, certain things you can't, you know, stop another thing we can do is we can evangelize and get the full number of gentiles in because when the full number of gentiles comes in the veil is removed so you want to see Jew, uh, jews getting saved what do we do with the gentiles evangelize them evangelize them so for the next three weeks as pastor tom mentioned at the beginning the next three weeks buchanan gallery steps at 12:30. I, I will be there. No pressure on anybody. I, I want to re-kick. We had a meeting this week just talking about it. To restart our evangelism on a fresh footing. Here's another motive, motivation for you. A good motivation. Right? So please come along if you're free. And we will go out. And I'll call on God to give, put his blessing behind us. And his strength behind us. The president of Israel. Says six months. six months time. There's no guarantees. That's what he just said. So I don't think we have any time to sit back on our laurels. Let me invite the worship team to return. And would you stand on your feet and let's just focus on Israel for a few moments and pray for them and lift them up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, I thank you that the vision awaits an appointed time and that we live in this day where you definitely are, God, revealing things to us that we can see Israel in existence. We can see Jews getting saved by the tens of thousands around the world. And God, we, we, we pray against the anti-Semitism we see in the nations and God banish it from our nation. We take responsibility for our church, this church. And God, this morning, we don't only open our doors to Jews. We open our hearts. And we speak, we prophesy over the city. That wherever the Jewish communities are, up in Garnet Hill. God, that you will bless them. And reveal yourself to them. I thank you for them. And I thank you every person in this room. As the Apostle Paul says. We owe them a great, great debt. So come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. I got saved by a Jew. Led to the Lord by a little Jewish man who came and sat beside me for two weeks and told me the gospel. And I repented at that time. Then we went to Ireland. We got involved in the distribution of a a magazine called Bridges for Peace, building relationships between Jews and Christians. Uh, That was just a fantastic honour and privilege. I I just ask God to speak to you. You know what we do, Isabel, with the shoeboxes? Hallelujah! What can you do for the Jews? What can you do? That's you. Forget everybody else. What will you do? For the Jews. Father, I pray you would speak your word into us. Open our ears. Make us attentive for the needs that exist around the world. And God, we will be faithful and honor your word and bless Israel.